Hello and welcome to the Multiplanetary Society podcast, where we explore topics related to the space economy and the why and how of potentially becoming a multiplanetary species. I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. Today, we are pleased to have with us Britt Duffy Adkins, the founder of the Celestial Citizen Media Company and the host of the Celestial Citizen podcast. Britt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. One of the things I really appreciate about what you've built is the focus on values, which I feel is somewhat unusual in the space media ecosystem. Your company bills itself as a space media company with embedded urban planning values. What does it mean to have urban planning values and how do they apply to space? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. So, and I guess I should start by saying that my background actually prior to being um, involved in the space industry, I actually had um, pursued, uh, well, I have an undergraduate degree in urban planning and architecture. And then um, I'm now I'm actually wrapping up my master's of urban planning from University of Southern California. So, I had sort of pursued at least initially more of, um, you know, a career direction in that field, but, um, you know, really got bit by the space bug several years ago and became really interested there instead. And sort of the idea for Celestial Citizen was born out of the um, realization, frankly, from just going to various space conferences and meetings and things like that. And hearing a lot of people talk about our future in space um, and talking about it in, frankly, you know, problematic language choices, like first off, you know, talking about space colonies and things like that, which I think we really want to, you know, move away from and find a new um, a new rhetoric to sort of describe how we're envisioning the future. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it was also just, frankly, the tools of um, urban planners and, um, you know, kind of utilizing that for space. So understanding that it's not necessarily just about the architecture and the design of habitats or what future communities in space might look like or the infrastructure, but also starting to understand that the social and cultural and political aspects of what we're doing are, um, you know, just as important, um, if not even more so than all of the sort of design and engineering that it will take to allow us to survive there as well. So, um, yeah, so Celestial Citizen, um, we focus on space media that really speaks to, you know, making this industry much more inclusive for all people. Um, and the way that we do that is by trying to give a platform to people from, you know, diverse backgrounds, whether they be, um, you know, just underrepresented, um, you know, groups in the industry in general, or even just their academic background or um, the industry experience is um, maybe one that doesn't get as much traditional airtime as as others. So we really try to cultivate these conversations around what the future looks like, but doing so in such a way that, you know, we really like to always say that we're challenging the status quo. So instead of just accepting that, you know, sort of the future is bound to look somewhat like it's looked in the past, we want to challenge people on that and say, no, the future could be radically different and hopefully much better than anything that we can envision today. We just have to move towards it. Yeah. And do you have a thesis as to why, you know, the space industry is currently composed is pretty undiverse. I mean, I, I think that's a very uncontroversial statement. So why is it the way it is and what do you think can be done um, to make it better? Yeah, no, I so I think the reason why and I mean, that's a really loaded question, too, because obviously I think there's a lot of um, systemic things at play as well, just across society in general um, that 
that lead to this field not being as diverse as it could be. But I suppose if we sort of put that aside for a moment, um, because I think that's pretty pervasive across a lot of different fields. Can I um, actually ask you not to put that aside? Because I, I think sometimes people assume sort of a certain, everybody's coming from the same starting point, but you know, it can sometimes be useful to dig into some of those deeper societal questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what I would say is that, um, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't want to pose as an expert on this topic because I mm-hmm. think that it's, um, you know, it's something that is is really um, there's a lot of great people that are focusing on this and focusing on how we, um, you know, acknowledge and um, start to, you know, break down systemic racism and discrimination and things like that. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, I would probably leave it to, you know, the people who are, are active and and very much focused mm-hmm. on those areas to sort of, um, you know, speak for themselves. But I will say that, you know, just broadly across society, I mean, I think that we've seen Obviously, unfortunately, racism and sexism um, and, and you know, all the other unfortunate isms that exist in our society have really been um, hampering the ability of a lot of really talented people um, from getting involved in the space industry. And so ultimately, I think that, um, you know, obviously that started out, you know, very much from the onset. Um, of the space industry. I think some of that was, you know, the time period in which it, um, you know, came to be established as well mm-hmm. um, was obviously not a great time period in American history um, as, as it, you know, turns out for, uh, or not as it turns out, but, you know, as it, as it is, or as it was for um, equality. And I think a lot of those same things are still very much apparent in society today. So I, I think we've got a long road ahead of us. But with the space industry in general, I think that because we started with that mindset of, you know, very segregated workplaces, right? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen hidden figures um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of understanding, um, you know, how uh, how racist the workplace was at that time. And then also, you know, from a gendered standpoint as well, we had this concept of the right stuff um, that was needed for astronauts and things like that. And that was a very masculine, white male American narrative that, you know, uh, I think, unfortunately, still continues in a lot of ways to this day. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've made great strides forward. um, But frankly, that pace of progress just hasn't been fast enough for me, at least. So I think we'd really like to um, you know, make, make strides, um, to, to work against those, um, those, yeah, those narratives that still really exist, um, today that are very unfortunate. So one of the ways in which we're doing this actually is we have a short film that is going to be coming out. It's actually going to be premiering at the overview effect film festival on March 13th. Um, and then congratulations. That's so exciting. And I, I'm guessing this is the news that we were uh, sort of waiting for to be able to talk about. Well, yeah, we've got a couple announcements actually, but that one is, uh, yeah, that one is, is sort of top of mind right now because we just recently wrapped on that. So, um, I definitely encourage people to attend the overview effect film festival. If they can, um, you'll be able to see our screening there March 13th. Um, I'll also be doing a little Q and a about the film and the film is basically, it's, um, eight, uh, women that share anonymously share, um, their experiences with gender discrimination and sexual harassment in the space industry, which I think is really timely. You know, I think a lot of us have seen the headlines that have come out recently with regard to Blue Origin and SpaceX. So, um, you know, I think it's important to kind of share these stories and, and you know, make sure that we are getting the message out there that, 
not only do we still have a lot of work to do, but quite frankly, it's a little bit devastating to think about how much talent we might be losing along the way of people that just Mm -hmm. sort of say, you know, it's just, it's too much. I give up. I'm not willing to push any further to sort of like carve out my space in this industry. So I really wanted to call attention to that in this film. And I think we do, you know, I'm pretty proud of the job that we do with that. So um, after the film festival, we'll also be releasing this um, publicly. So anybody can watch it for free on YouTube. It'll be on our Celestial Citizen YouTube channel. Um, And so I, you know, I encourage people to check it out. And then, um, yeah, the other big piece of news, I guess, which is um, that we just also launched Continuum. And Continuum is basically our space news branch of what we're doing at Celestial Citizen. So we are a team of We've got a great team of uh, different space journalists who um, have written for Scientific American, Daily Beast, Science Line, many others. Boston Globe um, is one of them. But basically, we've got this great team of writers that is going to be coming in and really giving a nuanced um, you know, approach to the space industry. So really doing space coverage in a whole new way, really challenging, um, you know, kind of the uh, the standard model, I would say. And um, yeah, covering stories that I think a lot of people will be um, surprised by just how you know different they are from the mainstream narratives. And in addition to, I guess, having those articles come out on our website, we'll do a Substack newsletter, but we've also, and I'm really excited about this, we'll be doing a live stream YouTube show every two weeks on Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and that's gonna be hosted by Sarah Crudis, which uh, you know some people might know. Uh, from the space industry, but she's, uh, you know, a wonderful uh, broadcaster with experience with BBC and Discovery Channel. So it'll be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for us to launch. We launch that next week. Uh, March 10th is our first live stream. Well, that's awesome. I, I'm looking forward to to listening to that. So is this your full-time gig now? And what is the business model, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is, um, yeah, this is the full-time gig. So um, it's kind of, it takes up uh, a lot of time, as I'm sure most startup founders know, you kind of wear six or seven different hats at once. Um, But yeah, so we are, we've been now in operation for a little over a year. um, And I've been doing it full-time since the get-go. But um, we're growing the team, we're expanding, which is great. And I would say kind of the major areas that we're focused on right now are obviously like on the production side so podcasts film um and you know obviously creating a lot of content for youtube as well so that it's really accessible to people um and then you know the other side of it too i would say is just really building our community um Mm -hmm. so we've we've really been um you know our, our social media community has been um just really expanding and that's been wonderful to see so we want to continue to do that. We want to continue to try to reach new audiences and, um, yeah, just make everybody more excited about space. That, that's great. And, you know, I'd actually like to talk a little bit what, on why you think people should care about space. It's sort of been a very interesting year, you know, in terms of in certain ways, space has become more accessible than ever but at the same time, there's a bit of a backlash, you know, about the mechanism through which that's happened, you know, especially space tourism, which in its current incarnation is only accessible to the very wealthy, although hopefully that'll change in the future. So, you know, how would you communicate to sort of the public beyond those who are already interested into the, in this? Why should they care? 
Yeah. Well, I think the biggest reason why people should care is that, and this is, this is something that actually we've talked a lot about on, on our podcast as well Is like, um, in conversations with Frank White, um, you know, who coined the overview effect term, um, you know, or Dr. Morbaja, um, you know, who's the chief scientist over at privateer and, um, you know, probably I, you know, did he coin the term space environmentalist? It feels like he did. If he didn't, he was certainly one of the earliest people that, that I had heard of who was, um, you know, looking at space from that perspective. So I think the big thing is that like, I just really encourage people to think about how interconnected earth and space are. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, I, you know, I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but fairly recently there was that Salesforce ad that came out during the Super Bowl um, with Matthew McConaughey. And I think that that just like, I, you know, it's unfortunate because I look at that and I go, but you know, how can people not feel like if you're a true environmentalist or, you know, if you really care about how interconnected everything is on this planet, which hopefully you you do and hopefully you care about those issues, then surely it's not that far of a leap to say, but then we also need to understand how Earth integrates into, you know, the broader solar system and galaxy and universe. And we need to understand that um, so that as we move forward, you know, humanity can be you know, constantly evolving in our understanding of, you know, how to how to do a better job taking care of this planet and and how to do a better job of taking care of, you know, our solar system and, and everything else like that. So I guess on a really conceptual level, that's kind of why I feel like space should matter. But even just to break it down, I think a little bit further for folks, um, there's also just a lot of benefits to what we do in space as well. I mean, everybody always talks about the different technology and innovations and things like that. Certainly earth observation as one, mm-hmm. um, is a huge area where, you know, we can, you know, we can provide early warnings, um, and indicators for catastrophic events, um, and things like that. Um, natural disasters, we can monitor climate change, we can monitor, um, agricultural production, um, mm-hmm. to be more efficient in, in those ways. We can monitor pollution. We can, also keep track of, you know, potential, you know, bad actors when it comes to climate change and pollution as well. So I think there's just, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to downplay because I feel like earth observation is a huge area um, in and of itself. Aside from that though, too, there's a lot of technologies that we're developing so that we can survive in space that actually improve quality of life here on earth. So, you know, the more that we can work towards, for instance, understanding what a closed loop habitat looks like in space, you know, the more sustainably we can live here on this planet as well. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of things and I encourage people to dive into that. NASA recently published um, Spinoff, um, which you can just Google that, Spinoff 2022, mm-hmm. which is a great document for people to learn more about those spinoff technologies. Um, and then the last thing that I would say on this point too, though, is outside of just like, the t- if I haven't already won you over with the technology of it or the interconnectedness of it, I'd say the last piece, too, is that, you know, and especially now more than ever, it really feels like we need to understand, um, you know, how to do a better job of pursuing international cooperation and collaboration. And and so, you know, if we're going to be successful in finding that here on this planet, I really think there's um, a lot to be learned from the coordination that doing anything in space will involve. So I think from a social and a cultural perspective as well, I think there's a lot of room for growth and being innovative in how we as humans interact with each other as well. And hopefully bringing some of that, you know, 
you know, positive action to this planet as well. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I mean, I, I think the the arguments around Earth observation and and agriculture and technology and cooperation um, and communications, you know, are not everyone knows about them, but they're pretty easy to make and people find them convincing. Something that I'm trying to explore you know, through this podcast and more generally is sort of the next level of applications where we move beyond Earth. And so I'm curious whether you think there is value in potentially becoming a multiplanetary species. You sort of talk about, you know, on your your website that you have uh, three potential Martians in your family. I think you're referring to children. Um, but, you know, do you think it's worthwhile for humanity to make that leap to other planets, especially when it's probably going to require an order of magnitude more investment to make that possible? Mm. Yeah, I mean... I would say that it's all up for debate right now, right? It's all up for conversation. And I think that's like the big thing, especially at Celestial Citizen, that we try to encourage people to do is just frankly have conversations and discussion around this to see, you know, how how people are thinking about it, how people are feeling about it. I mean, I will say that I, I guess part of me kind of feels like, well, you know, I'm not even going to say it's inevitable because I'm not sure that it is. I think we're like at this moment in time right now where – I think there's a possibility of us for sure becoming multiplanetary. There's also a possibility that we just don't learn how to coexist peacefully on mm -hmm. this planet. There's a possibility where, you know, the Kessler syndrome takes hold and we can't actually, you know, mm -hmm. there's too much orbital debris and uh, we can't even get into space. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of scenarios like I wouldn't take it for granted, like, just feeling as though we might, um, you know, someday have that opportunity. And and I think that's the key phrase there, right? It's an opportunity. So becoming multiplanetary, in my mind, is an, oppor is an opportunity for humanity to, um, to improve upon itself and to find a better way forward. It's not a given. It's not a guarantee. There's a lot that's going to challenge us in being able to do that successfully, but I think that we are potentially up to the challenge. So I'd love to see us like work towards that. Um, but what I would hate to see is I would hate to see us becoming multiplanetary and just carry all of our baggage and all of our, you know, um, you know, just sort of you know, I don't know what the word is for it, but basically like our, you know, our demons, so to speak, um, into right. space, you know, I mean, we just, we cannot take all of, all of that terrible behavior and just put it on space and think that things are going to be better. If anything, that just sort of escalates things. I mean, it's even, you know, kind of how we think of civilization here on this planet, right? The second that we started, you know, our, our, tactics for war started escalating um, to, you know, being more powerful or being more um, destructive, then it sort of like changes the game in terms of we as a humanity are at risk of, of sort of, you know, doing away with ourselves. So, you know, not to be too doom and gloom here, but I think that, again, it's a real opportunity. Um, but that's why we've really got to commit to, um, to, you know, lifting everybody up and, you know, being more inclusive, having, um, you know, a broader range of stakeholders in these conversations so that we can go about it in a different way. I think if we go, if we go about trying to become a multiplanetary species, the way that it's written about in, you know, most sci-fi, I would say mm -hmm. most popular 
sci-fi to date or how we've kind of approached um, things in space historically, I think we might be in a little bit of trouble. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that the easiest outcome to imagine is where we replicate all the inequalities, but just on steroids in other places. It's like the expanse model, right? Like yeah. we, I've had conversations on the podcast where Chris Van Eyck was talking about how expanse is like, this is exactly what we don't want to have happen. Like this should be the cautionary tale. Um, and so I think that that's exactly right. And so, uh, you know, going back to the media question, how do we create media that inspires, but actually doesn't give us that dystopian look, but actually attempts to, and I don't believe there's any such thing as a utopia, but um, certainly somewhere in the middle, perhaps. Um, we can we do can better than be, where we are at the very yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, I feel like I'm always quoting my my guest, but to quote Morbija, you know, maybe we can find harmony, if not unity. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of, um, I think that's a pretty powerful way of looking at it, too. He, he's a great communicator. So if you have to quote somebody, um, yeah, exactly. he's a good one. You know, I, I actually want to dive into something about how we communicate about this, because you alluded to the existential risk question, right? One of, to me, the most convincing arguments for becoming a multiplanetary species is we all might sort of, something might happen, you know, whether it's you know related to volcanoes or asteroids or us releasing a bio agent or whatever it is, there is, you know, having everyone in the same building runs the risk of the burning building burning down. Um, and becoming multiplanetary is one potential hedge about that. But you also, you know, said, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom about this, which I think is a natural reaction many people have. Looking at sort of the climate discussions, I feel like there's been the same tension where, on the one hand, the implications of what's happening are very severe. Um, and, you know, maybe we're not all going to die, but a lot of us will. Um, but, you know, climate communicators have been hesitant to lean into that because they feel it sort of gives folks a sense of powerlessness and causes them to disengage from the issue. So how much value do you think there is in leaning into perhaps some of the negative things that might be reasons to become multiplanetary versus the more inspirational ones? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean... <sighs> I think it's I think it's a balance because you're absolutely right. And I think you're spot on with uh, pointing to, you know, climate change, because I know that that is definitely um, something that's discussed quite frequently, quite frequently is the fact that, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if you if you say that there's really it's too late, we can't reverse, you know, then then what's to, you know, encourage people to take action Um and it's it's tough because, yeah, you know, in space, I wouldn't say I mean. And I think that that's like the big thing, right? Because we're also, I guess what we're asking people at Celestial Citizen to do is to kind of like hold a lot of different things in their mind all at once, right? Because mm -hmm. ultimately, I think the criticism that the space industry gets quite a bit is the fact that we tend to make a lot of things about ourselves and just about space. And so mm -hmm. I think that we need to kind of work to, you know, um, be be more of a team player, frankly, in a lot of ways and work with climate scientists and things like that more closely. Now, also NASA, I will say, you know, has a lot of climate scientists, does a tremendous amount of research. So th that is already, you know, in existence. But I think in other aspects of the space industry, we could be doing a much better job in terms of our activism, um, including not only space, but things happening on this planet as well. So I encourage people to think about that. But 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting point. I I'm of the mindset that we probably, you know, I don't I don't really believe in lost causes. So I think mm -hmm. that it's kind of you know, for me personally, I really like to think about things where it may look pretty dark right now, but there's there's got to be a way. You know, humanity is is so innovative. Um, and I think there's really this strength in our ability to, um, you know, achieve a lot of great things when we do come together, you know, but ultimately it's, I, I don't want to understate, I mean, it's going to take an incredible amount of work to figure this out. Um, and I, I think the thing that's worrisome to me right now at the moment is that a lot of the space industry just doesn't seem to want to focus on this and doesn't necessarily seem to want to talk about these issues. Um, and I will say the time has run out on being able to do that, right? Like we can no longer, you know, not talk about these things or sort of ignore them or just continue on, you know, in, in the status quo doing, you know, the same old things that worked in, you know, 1969 or 1970, right? Like it's got to change. So I think that, um, but I do think we need to, you know, leave people with, you know, a fair bit of optimism. So I think it's important in the media that we're putting out and the conversations that we're framing and things like that, um, that people still definitely feel like, and, and not only feel, but they do have an opportunity to change the narrative and to change the course of the future. And so I think that's ultimately like what we're hoping to provide is, um, you know, a platform for people to start ideating on that and thinking about it and, and figuring out what that future might look like. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, how important do you think human space flight is? Because in your initial list of sort of things that, you know, space does for humanity from earth observation and agriculture and all of that most of those can be accomplished with robotic missions mm -hmm. um so do you think it's important that we continue spending people into space which is much more expensive yeah yeah so i mean i think i think a lot can be done with robots which is very interesting and i think also like in the case of mars i'll be honest i kind of like the fact that um you know that robots are the ones that are kind of starting that process off because there's also just a lot of really interesting science um mm -hmm. that we want to do and we want to collect and we want to make sure that we're being mindful and having as little impact as possible so unfortunately when you start introducing humans into the equation um our ability to control impact tends to you know mm -hmm. tends to not be as uh, simple. So I would say that, you know, I think that um, there's certainly a lot that we can do with robotics, but I'd be lying if, you know, I wasn't super excited to see, you know, the first woman and first person of color land on the moon, right? So I think that, um, and this is even sort of an age old question of, uh, you know, even like kind of as a metaphor for like ASAT tests or things like that, where you know, just because kind of, a, you know, the couple powers or, you know, the powers that be were able to do it, then, you know, nobody else is allowed to. So I think, again, it's sort of like, I think there's a lot of people that would love to see, um, you know, more, you know, more folks on on the lunar surface. Um, and, and that's not just from the U.S., but other countries um, all around the world um, getting that opportunity. So I think it's really important to provide people with that opportunity. I'd love to see, you know, much more research going towards like how we can do this really sustainably, how, how we can do it with little impact. Um, I know that there's great work being done by folks like looking into like, you know, dust mitigation or waste management on the lunar surface or things like that. So there's definitely a lot of hope there. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, and I think ultimately the research that we get from sending humans into space and understanding the impact that it has, you know, on, on a biological level on the body is really important as well. I mean, again, 
these are all curiosities and these are all questions. And I think that our society, um, by being curious, we're only ever going to benefit from enhanced knowledge. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's an important part. I, I, I do. Um, and that might, you know, I might get some criticism for that, but I do think there's definitely still a, a very strong place for human space flight. And just taking this one step farther, you know, What's your take on space tourism? Is it sort of something that will eventually, you know, an investment that will yield insight, a waste of resources? And the other thing that I've been toying with is, you know, does it ultimately lead to inclusivity, right? I mean, people are very focused right now on obviously the financial barrier, but we've had the oldest person ever and the youngest person ever. And there will always be some financial gating, but there'll be fewer gatekeepers, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. The pipeline before was very narrow, and eventually one can imagine it being much wider, including more people. So, you know, how do you think about the the value and the impact on inclusivity of this burgeoning sector? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, it's really interesting. And, you know, a conversation I had with Frank White on the podcast, he was talking about how the overview effect really should be a human right. Um, and I think that that's a very, very intriguing idea because um, and the overview effect, of course, for people, you know, who might not be as familiar is, um, you know, basically you're when you go into space, you sort of have this cosmic shift of perspective and you start to see things differently and you look at you know, planet Earth as, um, you know, from a much different perspective um, as us all being sort of, you know, one humanity, one people on this planet. Um, and so a lot of astronauts have talked about that. Frank White's book, obviously, The Overview Effect, um, interviews um, many, many, many astronauts um, who have had that experience. So it, at this point, it's pretty well documented as to, you know, the impact. And I know there are some people who might criticize, well, you know, you shouldn't have to go to space to know that you have to care about this planet. And that may be true. But I think the thing is, is that ultimately, there's absolutely no way that you cannot go into space and have some sort of just absolute, uh, you know, transformational experience. So even if you go, you know, even if your experience goes, you already know before you left that, yeah, of course, you should care about this planet. And of course, we're all interconnected. You know, again, I mean, there's just got to be some sort of shift that happens um, beyond that. And so, again, I don't think that you need to have that to know that you should, you know, take better care of Earth. But at the same time, I think it's an interesting opportunity. And I also think it's a really interesting opportunity for people from underrepresented communities. So I would like to see a lot of these private space companies that are starting to offer those experiences. Um, And like even uh, nonprofit Space for Humanity comes to mind where they're actually going to be doing like a citizen astronaut program for um, Humanity One. I think they just closed applications for that. But, you know, I think, again, just having that so that more and more people are able to share in that experience who otherwise could not afford it. um, I think that that's uh, I think that's going to be really critical as far as with space tourism. I mean, I absolutely think it's it's coming, uh, you know, and I think it's I think it's definitely something that's going to happen in the future. And what I would like to do, you know, in in whatever part Celestial Citizen plays in that is like I would just like to make sure that we're trying to open that up to as many people as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I do think that this is something that's going to become more mainstream. Um, and I feel like eventually it will start to be more accessible um, but that being said, I mean, even still it, it's, we're going to be, you know, if we don't really think about how to, 
how to bridge to these communities that are currently being left out of, you know, the future of space. Um, if we don't start to think about that now, then we're definitely going to, um, you know, find that it's a pretty exclusive exercise in the future. So again, I mean, I feel like my answer to everything is like a lot of work to be done, but it's the truth, yeah. you know, everything, everything has the potential to be a really exciting future. Um, but we just, we have to make sure that we're, you know, laying the right foundation for it. Right. The the future isn't determined, it's designed and we have an obligation to do that in the most ethical way. Exactly. Um, Going in a slightly different direction, I'd love to hear, is there anything that has surprised you so far from the 38 podcasts you've published and you know, film <laughs> that you've created? What have you learned so far? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. So much. Um, you know, I mean, on the podcast, I have to say that's just like absolutely one of the biggest treats of doing it is being able to talk to all these different experts in their fields and really to get all these different perspectives about what it is that they're doing, um, the research that they might be working on, the businesses they're building, um, you know, the the kind of the activism that they undertake. So I, I feel like I learn a ton um, through doing that. And it has completely opened my eyes up to not only different aspects of the space industry, um, but just different human experiences like across the board. Um, and I think that it's really meaningful. You know, one of probably, I, I think one of the podcast episodes that stuck with me the most was in season one. Um, and it was actually... Um, it was, I was speaking with Damar Matthews um, and the episode was, um, oh gosh, I got to remember the exact, ep the title that we went with, but it was, um, you know, it, it was basically around the idea of um, Damar Matthews work, which is establishing, you know, a, a black architectural aesthetic um, in mm -hmm. the work that he's undertaking. And, um, and I thought that that was really interesting and, and wanted to have a conversation about, you know, how he saw that necessarily, you know, being able to be applied to space as well and space architecture. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that he said on the podcast was that, you know, it's a privilege to dream freely. And he said that, you know, when he was growing up, he never saw himself as an astronaut. He never thought that that was a future. He didn't think there was any connectivity for him to space. And they're really just like, to be honest, it completely broke my heart because even though, you know, I, I, you know, some people find space as young kids and it's a passion they carry throughout their lives. You know, I found my passion for space more as an adult, but it wasn't certainly for lack of like access to it. Um, and so I think that that was really, um, that just kind of opened my eyes that a lot of people just don't have any touch point with this and they don't feel because of their, you know, again, you know, because of their circumstances and things like that, or um, because of their race, because of their gender, for whatever reason, they don't feel like they can um, be involved in it. And they're not wrong because it's, I mean, historically, it's been incredibly difficult, um, you know, for those people to break into the space industry. So I think that for me, that was just like a really powerful moment um, in, in season one. Um, and it's something I try to remember, you know, now, um, you know, going forward in all of our projects and things like that, you know, how do we reach the audience that feels like they're not a part of this? How do we reach them? Um, and so that's like been really core, I think, to, you know, building out Celestial Citizens values and understanding like, you know, who we are as we evolve and making sure that we stay true to that sort of, you know, that core mission. And then on the short film side, um, you know, it's been incredibly interesting, um, you know, to do that. I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a really heavy experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was doing the interviews for 
every single one of those, um, you know, every single one of those women um, and, and non-binary individuals that came on um, to share their experiences. And I mean, we probably recorded, I mean, we probably recorded like 20 hours of audio mm -hmm. and then distilled that down to 18 minutes. So, um, you know, so, wow. uh, yeah, so it was, it was a lot. And, you know, in terms of kind of figuring out how to tell that story, um, you know, I worked with, uh, Kelly Kowalski who runs, uh, pajama girl productions, um, and is very active in the space industry as well. And I mean, I remember kind of going back and forth through, you know, kind of the transcripts and, and trying to figure out how to um, really do justice by these stories. And so it was, you know, but it, but sitting there listening to it and listening to these experiences, it was really, you know, it was really hard. You know, you, you hear the emotion in their voices and um, the emotion, but then also like the hope. And I think that's mm -hmm. the big thing. Right. So it was like, despite everything there was still so much hope for the future, so much optimism that it really like it, it just even to this day, like it absolutely listening to it, it absolutely gives me chills. And so um, so I think that, yeah, just again, I mean, I feel so fortunate to have this opportunity to like be in a position where people just get to, you know, tell me their stories, tell me what they think. And, uh, you know, I'm the lucky one. I'm the one sitting on the other side of the mic, just kind of being able to take it all in and, and figure out, OK, how do we how do we help these people kind of tell their story? And that's a, a wonderful place to be in. No, I, I certainly relate to that. And, and you know, my dirty secrets. That's the exact reason why I started this. I wanted to talk to people like you, and and this provides an excuse to have great conversations. Um, you know, putting aside actually the content of of what you're working on, what have you learned so far in terms of creating a, a media business that will hopefully turn into a, a media empire? And you know, people will look back here and say, you know, this was before she was. Uh, famous and speaking in front of presidents in the United Nations. So how how's that then just building the the business of it all? Yeah, I mean, it's been such a learning curve. Um, I feel really fortunate to have a great team around me as well. Um, you know, and so that's been super helpful. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's um, it, it's been really interesting. You know, I never if you would told me like 10 years ago that I would be you know, working in, in space and media, I would have never have guessed it. Um, cause I just didn't see that happening, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely been a really, you know, exciting opportunity. I'd say the number one thing as I've been trying to build it out is again, just really staying true to sort of like our authentic roots and remembering mm -hmm. like why we started this in the first place. Um, and that kind of helps clarify on each individual project that comes afterwards, you know, it's sort of like, okay, you know, this is where we're starting off from. So this is like how, you know, we kind of have a direction going into each project we take. Um, and I think also just not being afraid to take chances. Um, you know, when, when we started the short film, like we knew we'd probably ruffle some feathers with this, you know, but it was, um, you know, it was really important, um, you know, to all of us working on the project that we really get these stories out there and try to have as big of an impact as possible. Um, and so, and I think that that's, I think that that's, you know, kind of the, 
the most important ingredient is like as we think about this is you know obviously having a big vision for the future and um, you know of course we do and and kind of what we want to see ourselves doing in five years and ten years but then also I think staying true of just like each day kind of like waking up and saying okay this is what I'm working on today but like this is the reason why and when we get comments from our community um, about, you know, how maybe an episode really resonated with them or, um, you know, there's nothing I love more than hearing from people and saying, you know, this is, you know, I never saw myself in the space industry and now I do. Like there's literally nothing better than hearing that. Um, and so we just, yeah, we just want to continue working on that. And, you know, hopefully over time we, we continue to grow. We've got big plans for doing feature documentaries, um, you know, TV shows, feature films, things like that. Um, we've got some other, you know, ideas for podcasts in the works as well. So, um, you know, we're just always, you know, right now we're in building mode. So we're just trying to find the right partners that will kind of, you know, join us on that journey and um, help us get to that next level. Well, that's really inspirational. And and I hope that when you get the uh, billion dollar buyout offer from the New York Times or Fox Media, you're <laughs> able to maintain the, the values based perspective. Um, just to sort of you know bring things a, a little bit to a close, you know, what advice do you have for me as somebody who's just sort of a, a beginning podcaster in, in the space sector? Any suggestions? Oh my gosh. Well, you've done such an amazing like the questions you've asked are so interesting and thought-provoking. So you're already doing such a great job. I don't know that I don't know that you need any advice, but um yeah, I mean you're I feel like uh I feel like you've got a, a great flow of things. So I don't know that there's much I could add to that. I've really enjoyed um yeah, I enjoyed talk, talking with you and, and kind of diving into a lot of these topics. And I just appreciate you, you know, kind of um yeah, asking questions that really um that really kind of get get things um you know moving in the right direction. And and you know, sometimes you go on podcasts and you kind of get standard questions, but I really love, um, love how deep some of these were. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And just in closing, you know, where can, uh, you know, our audience find you? Where else, where should they be looking for your awesome content? Oh boy. Okay. Are you ready for this? Cause we've got, <laughs> we've got a lot I of want all the socials, now. all the platforms, all the socials. Okay, great. All right. You give me the opportunity. I'll take it. Um, okay. So we've got first up celestial citizen YouTube channel, um, which again, we'll be having um, our continuum space news show live streaming Thursday, March 10th at 4 PM Pacific time. And then we're going to actually uh, leave, you know, after the recording, we will uh, repost those as well so that people can watch them whenever um, and then, of course, on Celestial YouTube channel, you can also find our short film later this month. Um, and then in terms of socials, so you can follow Celestial Citizen um, at The Celestial Citizen on Instagram um, and Celestial Citizen on Twitter. We also um, have now handles for our new, you know, Continuum News, news Branch. Um, so we've also got at continuum.hq on Instagram and at continuum underscore HQ on Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, lastly, keep an eye out too for our continuum Substack newsletter, which we're really excited about. That'll be our curated space news um, newsletter. So definitely check us out there. I think I covered everything. Oh, well, and of course, subscribe to Celestial Citizen Podcast. How could I forget? Um, yeah. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe. But well, thanks for that opportunity. <laughs> Thank you, Britt, for, for joining us on this show. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you to Britt Duffy Adkins for joining the Multiplanetary Society podcast. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you like this content, 
please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform to ensure you don't miss an episode and leave a review to help other people find it. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please feel free to email us at multiplanetarysociety, all one word with no dashes, at gmail.com.